Okay, we're rolling. Um, How much have we been rolling? Because we've said no, some no, shit. We, I know, but we haven't been rolling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's we, what you say when you're like, "Don't tell Pete we've been rolling." Yeah, yeah. We have. We got it. We got it. No, no, we haven't been. So this is the old ones. This is Mike Birbiglia. I'm here today talking about my girlfriend's boyfriend, with my friend Pete Holmes and my wife Jennifer Stein. Thanks for having us, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Your meek voice, Jenny, is mentioned in the special. Please don't say meek. Uh, no, I'm just <laughs> What's kidding. What's wrong with meek? <laughs> no, Blessed are the meek. <laughs> Blessed are the meek. That's right. Yes. Let's get right into the Thank New you. Testament. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, uh, but the, you do mention that Jen has... It's a, fun knowing Jen mm-hmm. and watching the show. Because I don't know if you know this, Michael Birbiglia, but I saw you working this out before we were friends. Mm. No kidding. Yeah. I saw you at Housing Works Bookstore... Where I host a show with Jesse Are you doing breaking news? Breaking news for you. Well, you got to give people, it's called a hook. Something to listen listen for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The show's going to be good. Now it's going to happen. Yeah. He just revealed to him. And this is where you go audible.com. This is where where you get it. There's no sponsors except go to the new tour. Yeah, there you go. Newone.com. Newone.com? That was available? Isn't that crazy? And then after the tour, we're just going to sell it to a multi-billion dollar conglomerate that's the long sell play like the new phone the new play or the new penis <laughs> wow yeah, it's not a bad called? name for a website that shows you the sure. new things yeah including email specials. me everybody Mike scary at the businesses new one. <laughs> scary corporate people who are listening give me a call <laughs> Thenewone.com is going to be available as a comedy tour for the next eight months, and then it's going to be some scary business. I like that you chose scary. It's a different kind of podcast. It is. It's really one of a kind. Oh, my goodness. Jen is the missing flavor of all podcasts. There's never someone to just kind of sweetly, like like smelling flowers before you see them. You just hear someone go, this is a weird podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. She's like, uh, the, yeah. the, she's like a soft-spoken Robin Quivers. That's what I'm saying. Robin would just be like, "Oh, are you guys?" I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't know who Robin was. Sure, know. I get. But she'd what you're be saying. more loud. She'd be louder. Playing with, yeah, playing she's along. wonderful. But, 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 yeah. yeah Jen's soft-spoken, and to your point, I talk about her voice. But Jenny has this really soft, sweet voice, like the kind of voice where you can't get away with saying anything. At one point, she said, it seems like you comedians are a lot funnier on stage. (laughs) Normally, I'd be offended by that, but in this instance, I was like, you are right. That is a great point. You are beautiful. You know, she she really was. From the moment I met Jenny, I knew I wanted to sleep with her at least once. (laughs) Jen has, to me, a voice... That is, 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 and I, I can say this because I'm her husband. Uh-huh. It's sexy. I can also say it. Yeah? When mm. you leave. I'm going to punch you in the, <laughs> in the nose. Nose is good. How, how dare in you, sir? In the 90s sir? and early 2000s, punch in the neck or punch in the ear was yes. big. Now it's like punching in the dick, right? Oh, no, punching punch in the dick was five years ago. Oh, that's punch right. Punching in the dick is gone. I think we need punching. We're back to face. I think we're back in punching. <laughs> punch I know. I think, I think we're br- bring back punch in the nose. Punch in the nose. Punch in the nose is like seventh grade. That's so we're good. we're bringing it back. Re- There's a period of time where punch in the dick was like literally like there was 95 comedians simultaneously had punch in the dick yeah. as a as a punchline. I feel yeah. like Melissa McCarthy came in and was like, "I will elbow you in the dick, sir." Yeah, yeah. Like, and I like her, but uh, yeah. that, that's no longer what we're looking for. Now <laughs> she would say, "I will drop kick you straight in the nose, sir," mm. which is better, more visceral feeling. 
You but, feel it. So Jen has this voice that that uh, that sails a thousand ships. In my well, opinion. I I uh, not to be overly precious, but I feel similarly about Valerie's voice. Oh, that's mm-hmm. sweet. Yeah, of me course. Too. Me too. You know what I mean? Yeah. But of course. You, we of talk course. All the time for the, of course, yeah. for the listeners at home. Valerie. Valerie, Valerie is my is, fiance. Uh, is Pete's fiance. Jones. And we're going to your wedding, which yeah. is breaking news. Celebrity wedding. Yeah. <laughs> Non-celebrity wedding. <laughs> I wonder if Conan will come. That'll, oh, did that you invite be, Conan? Yeah, I invited Conan. I breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> Wait, we're going to break into our regular scheduled show. Because too. I'd have to guess no, and I'd like this to be on the record. Breaking I news. Wait, no, wait, I'm sorry, Pete. We're going to have to <laughs> break into this, bro- into this broadcast of Conan is going to come. To, uh, Pete Holmes thinks it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's a not. I, and not because he's the kindest man, but, you know, I like weddings. When I'm invited to a wedding, I try to go. I want to I want to I'm go. sorry. I'm going to, Pete, I'm going to have to break in right there. I'm breaking <laughs> news. Pete Holmes likes weddings. Okay. <laughs> Stop Some people man. You know there's why? There's no article. This actually goes back like to your show. It, but there's no article. See, I'm a good host because I can work this back to the theme of the show. Yeah. It's because we're comedians and no one gets married. So I go right. to weddings so oh, that's rarely. Great. And we were mm-hmm. all the three of us were at John Mulaney's wedding. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's we the last ep- wedding I've been to. Me too. Us I think. too. Yeah. And we have an episode of of the old ones where we talk about two drink Mike with John Mulaney. We'll probably reference him a lot today because he has a he has a line or two in, in this show, my girlfriend's boyfriend. Oh, does he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he yeah. does. But because and you know, you talk about this in your show, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, you know, I rewatched the special oh, and thanks. watching the point you're making about the accident. And being right and and being like happy, yeah, and or or whatever. You, I, I don't want to overly reduce it, but it's really a lovely point. But a lot of comedians, I think, get stuck in that place of being right. So about five years ago, pretty much everyone who I know started to get married, and that was strange for me because I don't really believe in the idea of marriage, and that would have been fine, except. I have a problem where sometimes when I think that I am right about something, it can be a real source of tension between me and the person I'm arguing with. And the reason it's a source of tension is that I'm right. And so (laughs) I remember distinctly talking to my friend Dana, and she goes, well, you don't believe in marriage for you, but of course you believe in it for other people. And I was like, no, I, I think it's insane, you know, for anyone. And she said, why? And I said, well, first of all, it just seems doomed. You know, 50% of marriages end in divorce. That's just first marriages, by the way. Second marriages, 60 to 62% end in divorce. Third marriages, 70 to 75% end in divorce. That's a learning curve. <laughs> it's a lonely feeling yeah. to be with your rightness. It's not a very good roommate to be like, but it's stupid to pledge yourself forever. But we're liturgical creatures and we, we're, we're emotional creatures and we really love these ceremonies and these things. To, we're trying to give our lives meaning and marriage is one of the, in my opinion, I've already done it and I enjoyed it the first time, was a great way to uh, to bring some of that into your life. I don't um, remember what I, I wrote down what I was going to say, but then I forgot. I didn't bring it. Oh, you didn't bring it. Okay. But I might remember other See, things. Everything you say sounds poetic. I wrote down what I was going to say, but then I forgot. Is a great line Is it? to start. I think. You see, Thank here's you. the problem with me and poetry. Yeah. You're a poet, mm-hmm. and probably because you have the right mix of sour and sweet, meaning, or salty and sweet. Let's not say sour. Mm-hmm. Salty and sweet. If I wrote poetry, I would just think everything I wrote was a poem. I'd be like, he leaned in his chair, <laughs> the microphone too close for comfort. That's beautiful. Mike watched wow. from afar. Oh, that's yeah. the end of the poem. That's I love beautiful. that. That's wonderful. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. Like it's it. not. But here's it's the thing. Text was nice. Oh, thank you. Anyway, the, what I did want to say was, wait, you were going to say you had something. 
But you forgot. I had something, but I forgot. But what you were saying, when you were talking about being a comic and being lonely, but I think what's interesting about, like, about being a comic is like your headspace is in such a place that like you're thinking about this. Like if you if you take all of your logic to a, the extreme, like of course you don't think you should get married. Like the logic that it takes to be a certain type of comic is the same logic that would lead you to the idea that you shouldn't get married. Like if you're really going to think about things so intensely, you're going to realize how ridiculous everything is. Well, this is why what I run into on my podcast, You Made a Weird, which is available now, uh, <laughs> is that marriage and religion are both things that if you spend a lot of time thinking about them, it's way funnier Mm -hmm. and more our speed to be outside of them. Right. And that's what I've always found interesting about comedy that can be leaning into these things. And that's what I like about this special is is it's so easy. Uh, I hate to reference myself, but who am I kidding? I love it. And I know myself so much better (laughs) than everybody else. Is that I did the bit that made that got me my talk show with Conan was my bit about magic, and I did a bit about how I love magic, and I was like, "That's the tr- that's the turn." My girlfriend's boyfriend is a show about a guy surrendering to something bigger than himself and something that is out of his control and frightening, mm-hmm. but also ultimately really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Evidenced by you two in the room right now, divine. <laughs> but that's that's what doing a joke about I love magic. It's so easy to say, the dove's in his fucking pocket. <laughs> yeah. Will you think I am a rube? <laughs> See every other comedian for examples of this. But if you do a thing that says like, uh, no, I like these things and I like this and I love that, you know, yeah. is not in a phony balloon way, but no, like, no, why yeah. do you really love marriage? Why do you really love magic? I think that's right. I think I've actually come around to magic lately. <laughs> it's great. I know. I, I I feel the same way. When that, I I you my I'd say throughout my twenties, I go, magic's stupid, you know. And then you reach a point, and you go, no, there's a real true skill to this. Oh my god. And and I was just thinking it's bad because I was looking at bad magicians. This mm. is the danger. Mm-hmm. You look at bad magicians, you go, magic's bad. Same thing with comedians. You look at bad comedians, yeah. you go, comedy, stand-up comedy's bad. No, it's not. Right. Watch Doug Stanhope. Right. Watch Pete Holmes. Watch right. Maria Bamford. Like, just watch the right people. Yeah, like, of that's course. The whole, that's the whole thing. And this is why improv is and, one of the and most— And poetry's probably the same poetry way. Poetry is similar, yeah. Oh, for sure. I feel like so many Kenny G's and so yeah. few Miles. And I mean mm-hmm. Miles from Don't Think Twice. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, <laughs> one of those is a reference to Two Drink Mike, and one of those to the movie Don't I Think Twice. I really— nice. I'm in. Wow, you're in. You're all in. Wait, so wait. To this get is what back, I was going to— gonna, back, Housing works. Housing works. That's so what I wanted to hear. Yeah. We all this want is to say scoop. that at the exact yeah. same time. This is but the scoop. Breaking news. We're breaking good in. Good podcast technique. You, you tease the scoop. Yeah. And then you withhold. Sure. Yeah. This is what sex is. I'm just kidding. Is it? Uh, no. Oh, my God. I'm doing um, it all wrong. <laughs> uh, I thought it was something with s- squirt guns and jelly. No. <laughs> Did you see my text, by the way? This is why I believe in, like, uh, the universe. I'm seeing the world that I want to see anyway. We all are. But uh, you you make a squid on the beach analogy. Oh, that's I brought right. That up today Jen brought too. that up today too. You guys and then are, there was a squid on the beach. Uh, oh, okay. You no, guys I didn't. Are peas in a pod. In, I brought it up this. for you a guys both brought it up today. I didn't know anything about making out, but I'd seen people do it. I could see there's like a head tilt. I, I'd heard there were tongues involved, and I could see that there was like some kind of space in between the two mouths. To me, that was the most mysterious part of the whole thing. What is happening? In that space, there is no, you know, there's no video documentation of that area. It's like the giant squid of making out. No one has seen it alive. They've only seen it washed up on the shore. Which is more specific to the squid side of that analogy, Ben. 
I love that he kept that in the show because it never gets the laugh that I think it should get. Like it yeah. never really gets a big this laugh, but it's one of the, the funniest. Side of the yeah, it's one of the yeah. funniest jokes I think in the show. That's really good. And I was like, and I was thinking it's because a lot of people don't really know about the giant squid yet, but I was like, they'll yeah. know soon. Like That's they really will know. Fun. Right? Yeah. You gotta keep those lines. <laughs> yeah. One of the talk about Mulaney. One of my proudest comedy things is because. John is 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 pretty autonomous. You know, he doesn't get a lot of tags. I agree with that. He's yeah. very self-sustaining. Yeah. And uh, I just was very proud that I always loved, he had this joke about Trump way before he was president. That was a laughable idea. It still is, but here we are. <laughs> uh, he had this line about uh, Trump is like a what a homeless person imagines a rich, oh, yeah. rich person yes. to be like. And he goes, when my number comes in, I'm going to have... Tall, I think yeah. the first one is tall, tall buildings, buildings with, with my name, name on them. Then he goes, I'll have fine golden hair. Yes. Never got a laugh. And I, I told, I, every time I would see him, I'd go, fine golden hair. It was the line that, <laughs> yeah, it was my it. squid no, line. I love that line. And yes. he would do the thing with the hand, yeah. fine golden hair. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, and it's, it's so classic. funny. It's Never worked. Joke. Did it on Conan. Fine golden hair gets applause. Not yeah. tall building, yeah. not the stupid thing. Yeah. So we keep the squids. Yeah, we keep the squids. Keep squids the are important. It's important to not always just go with the laugh lines, but with something that you feel like is evocative and true. And that goes back to poetry, I think. And my problem, if I were to write poetry, is that I would, you have a very good filter of what is actually good, having read recently some of your work, which I will not say what the name because of the Jen, Because Jen is. writes under a pseudonym, by the way, and, and, uh, and is is the opposite of me. I'm sort of this 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 comedian who's sort of out there and going like, and this is my album, and this is my special, and right. this is my movie. And Jen just writes uh, discreetly under pseudonym. Poetry is a perspective. It's not. It's not that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's going like, you know, those stories. You go into an art museum and people are standing around a phone on a podium, mm -hmm. and they're like, and isn't that funny? The phone isn't plugged in. Mm -hmm. And it's on a podium, mm -hmm. so it's displayed, but it's unplugged. So it's talking about how we can't reach out, but it's the illusion of being able to reach out. And yet here it is amongst these paintings, and it's the only sculpture that the artist offered. And it moves me to tears. And then someone says, that's just the phone. So are those people yeah. then wrong? No. They're more right than anybody. The white part of the walls at the museum is also art. Anyway, I'm turning this into my podcast. <laughs> So anyway, Housing Works Bookstore, you guys just talk about Jesse. And I I was the host. It was a show called Punch Up Your Life, and That's Mike right. would come in from time to time. But this is pre-us pre being friends. It was, yeah. And you came in, and you the went back up. Back bookstore, an actual bookstore. Yes. And you told yeah. the story of getting T-Bone. Uh-huh. And I don't know if I pitched you the line, the most delicious type of accident, but you didn't take it if I did. So I'm telling him about this argument, and he goes, you're right. I go, I know, I'm right. He goes, yeah, you're right. I go, I know, I'm right. I got to tell her about this in the morning. And I get in my rental car to head back to my hotel, and I'm driving out of Andy's small road, and I'm T-boned. I don't know if you're familiar with this term. Uh, this is the culinary way of describing when you are hit by another car driver's side at a 90 degree angle like a t-bone steak and in one and a half seconds i'm spun around i think i'm dead no way i'm paralyzed and then i hear nothing and then i hear the other car skid out and drive away i know <laughs> The goal of these shows, and, and, and Seth Barish is a huge part of, 
Uh, I'm of, uncomfortable of my... with all the Seth Barish fluffing. Really? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Seth is like, uh, if you, people don't know what he looks like, he was in Don't Think Twice. He played this sort of a Lorne Michaels type of character. No, oh, I didn't know that's who that was. Yeah. Oh. And uh, he's a great actor. Wooden and he, bicycle. He, um... <laughs> and isn't show business like a wooden bicycle? Mm-hmm. <laughs> another it's, another it's, great poem by Pete Holmes. Ah! <laughs> yeah. It's novel, but is it necessary? Beautiful poem. It's wow. a little hard to learn. Keep People going. look at it, but at the end of the day, it's just a cumbersome bicycle. And you're still just going down the street. <laughs> I made this point when we talked about that's, Don't that's, Think Twice on the show. A, it's either a poem by Pete Holmes or an ad for a bicycle. Ah, <laughs> it's hard to say with my poems. Um, this is... The f- I think it's the third yeah third of four solo shows I've done off Broadway and the first one was Sleepwalk with Me Seth directed all of them mm. um, I'm, I'm gonna fluff again Seth he mm-hmm. did Sleepwalk with Me My Girlfriend's Boyfriend uh, Thank God for Jokes and I guess the new one which is the mm-hmm. new show which eventually will be off Broadway and I mean, the goal is that the if end they of the accept it. <laughs> if he if he chooses to accept it. Uh, but and we've if been the theater it together. agrees to take the risk. <laughs> if anybody buys any really, tickets. I'm really getting out of sight, Jack. <laughs> but the, the goal is that the, is that the ending is in some ways surprising but inevitable. And that everything leading to it is is building towards that moment of it being surprising and inevitable. So, spoiler alert, with this show, it's like, I don't believe in marriage, but I believe in in. Jenny and I've given up on the idea of being right. Yeah. And so the goal along the way is like, I need to set the table for all of those things or else it doesn't mean anything to us. I, I'd love to talk about that, by the way, because I remember I had a conversation. I, I don't think she'd mind. Well, I won't even say who it was. It was a comedian. And she was like, I don't want to have kids because the fear of losing them is too great. Oh, gosh. And I was like, you're right, but you're not free. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's the beautiful point of of this show that I think uh, can't be overstated. Well, that's really mm-hmm. that's really interesting. You can be really right and alone. My my therapist, Dr. Gary Penn, who I actually haven't seen in like a year, uh, less than that, he goes like, paranoid people are right. He's like, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. A plane engine could fall on you. That's Your right. heart could stop. Uh, maybe the refrigerator will fall through the floor. Like, these things could happen. And and these are his words. Uh, he goes, "You just can't let those those phobias make you their bitch." Yeah. Do you feel like that? What's sometimes, that? yeah. Or sometimes it gets in the way of making decisions. So we're trying to make a decision. We're like, "What? What if the economy falls apart and all of our money is lost, or somebody hacks into right. Right. the banking system the and we lose all of our money, and then we us. won't have anything? So maybe we should, right? Well, well, you know, it's like buy a, a, buy a boat. You know, and then we're like, we should buy a boat. You know, yeah. right? The ending is we should buy a boat, like, or like, should we like be living somewhere else? And it's just like, well, I think that's why precautious people can sometimes make you queasy in a way that you don't understand why. I remember John Hodgman did my podcast. You're saying we make you queasy? No, no, no. How dare you? I relate to you How dare you show up to this No, I I think you're going to relate to what I'm about to say. John Hodgman was like, uh, we had a baby and my wife and I don't fly on airplanes together. Because what if it crashes? Wow, vice president, president situation. Exactly. Because one of us needs to survive. On the same plane. Here's the point of my girlfriend's boyfriend. And here's the point that I think we're just kind of talking about. I think about the friend that said, I don't have babies because what if I lose the baby? I don't want to fly with my wife because what if it crashes and then we have an orphan? Uh, Well, I'm like, but to that I go, 
Uh, we're all on airplanes. Yeah. I'm stuck Already. in this airplane I call Pete. I'm walking mm. around in an airplane. And the way that you try and control the fates. How many how many Greek plays do we need about people going to the Oracle? The Oracle tells them what's going to happen, and then they, they try and find a way to make it not happen, and yet it happens anyway. Mm-hmm. So there's something grotesque about trying to control reality in that way. So I think about it, and I'm like, well, what if you fly on two separate planes and they both crash? What if they crash into each other? Right. Or, or what if, uh, so why not all three of you fly together? That right. way, if you crash, all three of you die. Is that, is that right. better? Is that like, better how worse? are we, yeah. to what degree are we going to try to control everything? Because happy people, free people, don't care about being right or being practical or even being protective as much as they care about being free. And that's trying, that's what I'm trying to be in the game of. That's, that's how I think there's a way of being responsible, but being free while you're being responsible. There's a way about caring about plastic, but being free, keeping a part of you separate from your paranoia right. and trying to rest in that part is is the, is the trick, I think. Yeah, I mean— Pete has a lot of answers. He's got a lot of answers. <laughs> I don't think there was an answer yeah. in that. I the think only that thing <laughs> that I, t- I, I would take issue with is I don't think that— There the was pl- another poem called, I'm in the airplane called Pete. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, in the aerop- I'm in an airplane called Pete. I'm in an yeah. airplane called Pete. The only thing I take issue with in your story is this this scenario where the two planes would crash into one another. <laughs> yeah. It can ha- it can, it can I just happen. don't feel like that would happen. I mean, you'd have to have them going in opposing directions. And uh, it just seems silly. But, but I, mean, I, I but I hear your point. <laughs> no, I, I think isn't that, isn't marriage and isn't the point of the show one of the things that we all have to find a way to dance this is poetic. In the light of the fire of the burning world. Yes. It's beautiful. And is I'm that done. yours? That's mine. I just made it up. So say it again. <laughs> Why? We recorded he it. Rewinded like, it. He's you saying you that the point again. of life is that <laughs> we have to. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're we here. have to learn to dance. In the fire in the of the fire light of the burning world. Of the light of the burning world. No, I agree The world with is that. burning. we got to dance right. in the light That's of right. it. That's right. That's a good one. That's, that is a nice one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was pretty pleased was it, with it. That, that's a, that's a, for a drinking game called Pete Holmes or Ram Dass. <laughs> <laughs> that one would get everyone drunk because no one's right. <laughs> everyone guesses Ram Dass on that one. But that's the Jen, point of the show is, is marriage is fucking stupid. Jen, I tell Val all the time I don't have any doubts about her, but I have tons of doubts about the institution of marriage because I'm very honest oh, with her. Of course. Like, yeah. of course. And we if, talked about this ad nauseum before If we I'm married. nervous on my wedding day, it's not her. Of I course. I love her to death. I'm, I'm lucky yeah. to have her. It's hard to have a wedding day because we didn't really have a wedding we day. It. We just woke up one morning and we're like, okay, today's the day we're just going to go get it done. More to City Hall. So no people, no witnesses except for one witness. Well, two witnesses. Right. That were not family. Nobody knew ahead of time. If we had a wedding day, we always talk about this, we might not have she gotten married. She says that she probably oh. would have bailed. I think we both would have bailed. Because too much plastic in the ocean. Because too much plastic in the ocean. No, it's just not. We wouldn't have been able to pull it off. So, like, if you're feeling any anxiety, I think we would have. If we if I did if we did pull it off, we would have felt a lot of anxiety leading up to it. Oh yeah, I'm. But the marriage part's been great. But like, although wedding day would have been really hard for us. You you had you had anxiety about marriage. Mm-hmm. I had anxiety about marriage. Yeah. How did you feel before and after? Um. And how did you feel about in relation to what your expectations were? I think before I was like. I didn't really know we were going to get married until, like, the moment we were getting married. I was like, we might not get married. Yeah. And then we got married. And then that day—and then it was kind of a relief after. I just felt like a relief. Like, I didn't 
That was it. I don't know. Nothing. It felt very complicated before, and it felt very simple after. Because afterwards, you realize it's just you and Mike again. Yeah, we're just, like, doing our thing, and it didn't feel like— We're just in two airplanes called called Mike Birbiglia and Jennifer Stein. (laughs) But no, we're, like, in one— We're not crashing into each other. But it was like we're in one airplane. Yeah, we're like— It's like we're in two airplanes airplanes to one airplane, and it's like a daredevil trick, and then we're, like, in. Yeah. So it felt like— Pretty calm waters after that. It, I felt the same way. I, I, very I feel tumultuous like before. Very. I mean, I I try to represent mm-hmm. it in the show. I try to represent true conflict between us. All of it's quite real. I mean, when I, and and very personal. By the way, like like Jen was a huge part of this this uh, special and show coming into existence because we had to talk through what we were comfortable sharing with the world and what we were. Just wanted to keep for ourselves. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this stuff in this show about like us having, uh, you know, other relationships and holding on to things from our past, and 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 there's an infidelity moment, and uh, and it's like. Well, I remember when you were working out the infidelity story when we were dating. You were working it out, and I was like. I hated that story. I was like, this is horrible. It made me feel terrible. I didn't think I was going to make it in the show. And now it's like my favorite part of the whole Mm. show is the infidelity stuff. Jenny's staring at me. And I said, what? She says, you have a hickey on your neck. And I said, I don't think that's true. And I glance at the mirror next to me and realize that, in fact, I do have a hickey on my neck. And I say, I'm really sorry. And she says, where is that from? And I said, there was this bachelorette party and I was drunk. And that sentence never comes out right. I mean, there's no way to deliver that line in a way that makes you seem even okay. And... We start arguing, and the argument follows us all the way back to the street in front of my apartment. I didn't have a leg to stand on. I was like, well, what about John? What was he doing there? And she said, you have a hickey on your neck. And I said, yeah, but at least I told you the truth. And she said, eventually. And I said, eventually is better than never. And then she'd knead me in the balls. I don't know if you've ever experienced this before. I'm sure half of you have not. Uh... It's like being electrocuted, except you don't get to die. It's like you want to die, but you can't. And there's a person in your face saying, you deserve this, which they wouldn't even do in electrocutions. I think they would deem that as inhumane. I can't believe I did that. I mean, I was not that's at, how, I was at a low point. <laughs> that's how caustic our relationship was at a certain point. I can't we believe I did that to anybody. Why did I do that to you? Because you... I didn't get to that part. I think today. that was when I showed up with a hickey. <laughs> showed up at home with a hickey. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. Good hickey bad. There's no good hickey. I don't know if I meant to knee you in and the that, balls precisely, though. I just you think didn't. I, I was trying I think to. I was just like. I was trying. Fuck you, yeah, I was like, trying to gesture. sort of. I was trying to like, like hold on to you, and you sort of flipped around. Yeah. And like whacked, like essentially like whacked me off of you and it was right, with right. your whole body including yeah. your knee which Interior, made contact with my groin area yeah i'm not some kind of monster and i was you got punched so, in the dick i got punched in the dick yeah because uh, it was the time when it was hip to be punched exactly in the dick. Uh, <laughs> it was the different time it was, it was hip to the be, 80s it's hip it to be square and leave punched in the dick 
But it was, uh, yeah, that that was... Uh, I think I made a switch. Like, I used to be much more possessive. I made a switch to being much less possessive. I think it had a little bit to do with, like, that line that Lynn yeah, said our, to our us. Friend, Should I say our that? friend, the comedian Mitch Hedberg, passed away. While we were uh, dating. Uh, you know, it's so funny because when you years said ago. you're a mumbler, I almost said, that tree is far away. <laughs> you know that bit? Oh, yeah. But, but, yeah, Mitch passed away, and it was really painful for us. I mean, we weren't best friends with Mitch, but we loved us. Mitch. We were fans we of him, him. Yeah. and then we were and friends we with him wife. and his wife, Lynn. And, 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 yeah, something she said had a real impact on us. I remember her saying, um, like, I, I hope he had an affair. Like, this idea that, like, she, like, hoped for him that he had had the fullest life he could possibly live. After mm. he was gone, this, like, feeling so of, like, God, like, I wish he had anything. I hope he had anything. She's like, I don't know if he had ever, but I hope he did. Like, I hope that he had everything he wanted in life. And that kind of feeling, that kind of love. Yeah. And that really changed me. That was, like, right when we were about to get married. And I think that changed my idea so of what marriage is. I was just, mm. like, so, so, yeah, I don't know. Like, so we have this very, like, this... It, it changed me. I was like much. I think I held back a lot of other men I was with before you, like with like a lot of possessiveness. But I don't think I hold you back as much as them. Maybe I hold you back a little bit. But no, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, we be, and we can cut this out if you want when yeah. when push when we were in the edit. But like we, we had this conversation before we got married, which is basically like neither of us wanted to have marriage be this thing where where if one of us had an affair or something happened or or you know, that the marriage would end. Or yeah. that we would stop. The idea that, like, if that, you do something wrong, I'm going to stop loving you. That, right. That we both fear that. Right. This that, idea oh, of yeah. if the, and, 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 and we've sort of talked this through. It's not Extensively, simple. but it's like, you know, neither of us are, quote, unquote, on the market. We're not available. We're not single. We're not, we're not, like, we're not out there. Yeah. But, but, but the idea that if this, then this ends yeah. is so, to, to me, feels barbaric. Val and I, we talk about it, we're psychologically open all the time. That's the term that we use. And the, the the result of that is I have dreams that I have sex sometimes with other people. And in the dream, there's always that moment of hesitation. And sometimes Dream Pete goes, uh, Val will understand because we're on Pluto and I'm made of fire. You know what I mean? Like Another poem. <laughs> <laughs> the poetry of Pete Holmes. So what I'm saying is like yeah. that the price... It's a wonderful reward to be psychologically You're working it out in your brain, free. obviously, too. There's so much yeah. ram spent going, like, stay in the lines, stay in the lines. Yeah. To just go, like, I am free. I say to Val all the time, I only want good for you. And there isn't That's a deal. That's how I feel about Jan. There yeah. isn't a deal-breaking thing. And and people people have this in their brain. The wiring is there already. And the way that it shows itself similar to your bit is, uh, what's your celebrity cheat. Like, mm-hmm. if you had sex with Tom Cruise, I'd just want details. That's yeah, a, like, yeah. for Bigley a bit. And a Pete Holmes <laughs> bit that I only did maybe five times was, um, well, what if you meet somebody at your office that is the Tom Cruise of cubicle humor? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. People are exceptional in other ways. Sure, and am I then not understanding because he's not in The Last Samurai, that you fucked this man? Yeah. You know what I mean? And why... I put, that, if you, that's a poem, but if, sort of in like a <laughs> mad magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you... Why <laughs> do our section. friends sometimes love our, us better than our partners, who are supposed to be these soul-merging sure. people? If you had an affair on Jen and you told me, in, let's say it's a movie, mm. the scene is written that I would side with you, that I would understand. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But you can't, and I understand that there's these contracts and these things, but Val, and Val is the greatest person I've ever known, she says, she she fantasizes about the opportunity 
to forgive me. Not just for affairs, mm-hmm. but the opportunity to show me that she meant it mm-hmm. when she said, really I love you oh, regardless like of, of what you do. I say that to Val all the time. I I said this to her recently. I think it might be in the vows. I said, I, I, I don't love you. Uh, I love what you do, not because of what it is, but because it's you that's doing it. Yes, and like, that's what I said at the show. I, like I don't believe in marriage, should, but I believe in her. That's it. Val is also like Jen. So you sort of like ripped off my show for your vows. It doesn't matter. No, but nobody's seen your show, so nobody else see of weddings. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm saying is, where was I? She wants to show you the. There are no deal breakers, and that is Mm -hmm. that 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 is putting down a heavy suitcase when you go. It's like when you're on a diet and you say, "I can't eat cookies." As opposed to saying I can eat cookies, mm-hmm. but they're not good for me, so I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna eat these other things. Yeah, I can't. It's a, just a shift in perception, and I I know I could have sex with whoever I want in theory, but then my therapist again, Dr. Gary Penn, was like, "Love is so rare." He goes, mm. "It's so rare, real love. How are you gonna protect it?" He, he was like, "You can do whatever you want, but like." It gets sticky. When I yeah. to me, I'll walk to me you back coming on that. isn't worth it. <laughs> coming, I love I, coming, and in the middle of sex, you're like, "This was worth it." And then, like later, how many idiots going? Oh, if I could go back, <laughs> Diane, it was because you don't even remember being a werewolf. Who is that why man would you you're eat? Why would you eat all those chickens and be covered in feathers and blood? You're not a werewolf anymore. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, I'm not that guy anymore. And I, every day I'm going to work to show you yeah. that I was a werewolf. But when you are a werewolf eating chickens, who? Nothing better. <laughs> That's when I met you, you were a werewolf eating chickens. I ate some chickens. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that's when, true? I, when I, no, when I met Pete, he was. Oh, yeah. On, newly the, on the flight to Australia. On the flight to Australia. That was oh, before yeah. you met that Val. That was the peak. No, you knew Val then, but. Val and I were seeing each other. Yeah. There was a time when Val and I, I loved Val, but I was still having sex with other people, yeah. Yeah. And I Australia mean, was kind of the tail end of that. Yeah. We were on this trip to Australia to go to the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Yeah. It was it was the three of us on the flight. I think the three of us in three seats. Well, before yeah. that... It was great. I, I had loved heard it. It was my Mike, favorite part of the whole trip was the flight there with you guys. It was hilarious. <laughs> before that, I had heard so much about Pete from Mike just being like... He'd call you and be like laughing hysterically yeah, and like talking for telephone. like an hour, just like laughing so loud. I would be like, "Who are you talking to?" <laughs> and he's just like, "Pete, he's great. You got to meet." And then he's I met you. Great, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta talk to him on the phone because he has bits. This is insane. And when you do it, and then when you do an act out, you go, "I should have thought about calling oh someone out." <laughs> that's if like only this video. were on video. <laughs> well, that's something. To bring it back to the special, you're, you're very, first of all, two compliments about the special. You use the space. No one does that. No one moves. Mm. And then the other thing that I notice uh, that you're doing is you are doing that thing that we do that when we do one-man shows and we do storytelling things. Uh, you do all of those things. Uh, they're not tricks. They're just, it's what you do when you tell a story. You do the voices, you act out the characters. Yeah, but I mean, you also go like, and I was going to kiss Jen. We get back to the hotel and I offer to walk her to her room and she says, sure, and we get to her door and I didn't want this night to end and so I build up the courage to lean in to kiss her and she says, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> and then you tell this other, you do this yeah. other tangent. It's like you're telling a story, meaning you lead us here but then you withhold the finale. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm about to you, kiss Jen and then, and then you and go then on this I other talk thing. about kiss, making out when I was growing so up. So you're interrupting an incredibly difficult and well-done art form with another 
even more difficult and incredibly well done art form. This is a sore subject for me. I have sort of a long history of failed kisses. Like I, I remember growing up, like when people started making out. Like in my town in Massachusetts, it was in seventh grade. And I remember, I remember it like it was yesterday because I was shocked. I was like, people we know <laughs> are just making out with other people we know. So for a long time, like first comedian I saw was Stephen Wright. And I was like, that's what com- that's what stand-up comedy Cesare- is. Cesarean section. If I had your phone. Uh, <laughs> he I said, went to a... it's open 24 hours. Not in a row. I can't do it. I'm I doing went, it too. No, York. you got to do Boston accent yeah. with it. it he goes, so Cesarean one will be like, section. so one will be like, I went to a, I went, he goes, I, I, I went to a drive, I went to a drive-in movie in a cab. Movie cost me ninety five dollars. You gotta get the, the dollars at Movie the end. Movie cost me ninety five dollars. Movie cost me ninety five. If I had earphones, I could tell if this was. Um, but but first guy I saw was Stephen Wright, and I was like, Oh, that's how you tell jokes. Like, isn't it a funny thing where you whatever you see first, you go, That's what it is. Oh yeah. And so for years, I would write jokes in the vein of Stephen Wright, just trying to be. You know, one of my first jokes was like, I would hate to be. A, a stick insect because all the other insects are always bumping into you and you gotta be like watch it and they're like you like you look like a stick and you're Ah. like I have eyes and they're like yeah they were closed Ah. that was like my best that's so funny I was big into Mitch Hedberg and my first joke was uh, there was a moth in my apartment and I was gonna kill it and my friend said don't otherwise a giant moth might come by and kill you so I didn't (laughs) I spared it now I'm afraid I'll do it like you. A gigantic moth is going to come by my apartment and thank me. <laughs> I like that. Try to give me a big dusty hug. My favorite part was the delivery. Ah! The, uh, <laughs> the, there's two more tags. Want to hang out by the light bulb sometime? I have enough friends. Oh, God. <laughs> Kumail Nanjiani with a unibrow, heavy smoker, not muscly yet, in 2002. Not a movie star. Yeah, not yet. Offered to buy that joke from me. I'm oh, my so God. I'm very honored. Oh, that's Very nice. Honored. Wow. I said no. <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, and then he spent the money getting his girlfriend out of a coma. I mean, it's a great oh. story. It's heartwarming. <laughs> Gets you out to the theater. No, but um, <laughs> oh, I want to tell a you, Mike. medically induced coma. They always say that. I don't know why. But, it uh, is medically induced. I know it's know. medically induced. Yeah. I get it. But uh, yeah. So originally, I was writing jokes in the vein of Stephen Wright, or trying to. I mean, he's one of the great comics of all time. You aspire to it. Not you're not nearly reaching those heights. And I would write down things that I thought were funny, but that I don't know if you had this for a long time. I my voice as a comedian. I didn't think could talk about those things. So when mm. I talk about the scrambler, like it's people hear this bit, it's like insane. Yeah. So here's what happened with Lisa. One time I, I built up the courage to ask her to go to the carnival with me, and she said yes. I, I couldn't believe it. Like all of a sudden I thought, well, maybe this will be like one of those romantic comedy montages. We'll go to the carnival, we'll get stuck on the top of the Ferris wheel, we'll make out, it'll all take a minute and a half, and it'll be set to a Phil Collins song. But I think that when you're 12 years old, you just don't understand certain things about your digestive system. You don't know that you shouldn't eat popcorn and peanuts and ice cream and cotton candy and then step onto a machine called the scrambler. My early kind of 
Mitch Hedberg, sort of like Stephen Wright face, thought, that's too much energy. That's blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and then I reached a point, I don't know when this was that I reached this point, like when I was like 28 or 29, I started being like, no, I'm not trying to be a comedian. I'm trying to be me on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was me being dirty. Because I was like, I I thought Seinfeld and Cosby were my guys. And I was like, oh, I have to do them. And then I was like, but then offstage, I was swearing like the Dickens. And you're probably funnier. <laughs> and I was way funnier. I because I think I was funnier. I this is where this is the point I've had. I go, oh, I'm funnier off stage than I am on stage. Well, that's stage. Lewis Black. He says the biggest mistake comedians can make is being funnier off stage than they are on stage. Oh, yeah. And when I heard that, my stomach dropped. I've never heard him say that. That's a smart one. He's yeah. got so much wisdom, that yeah. Lewis Black. Yeah. And I hadn't listened to this in years, this this album. And and what I realized is Jen, like Jen's real life things that she says actually are some of the best lines in the show. Uh, on our final day on the trip, we got into an argument about essentially nothing. She noticed there was a basketball court at our hotel, and she said, we should play. And I was like, yeah, but not like a game. And she said, why? And I said, well, because I'd win. And she said, no, I think I would win. I go, no, and I, I know that I'd win, and I know that what I'm supposed to say is that uh, the guy says, I'll win. The girl says, I'll win. And the guy lets her win, and then she likes him more. But I just don't have that in me. <laughs> and Jenny goes, you don't have to let me win. Let's go out and play. And so we went out and played basketball, and I just kicked her ass. I mean, it was just like... It was just like 10 to 1, you know, 11 to 1. I mean, I was having a good day, but still... I was just destroying her. And at one point, she literally said, I've never met someone who's so obsessed with the score. And I said, the score is what makes it a game. (laughs) So we're arguing this over lunch, and then uh, again, it comes up at dinner, and then we're still arguing about it at two or three in the morning about essentially nothing. And she said, I don't understand why you're so obsessed with being right. I go, I'm not obsessed with it. I just am. <laughs> I said, why do you think you're right? And she says, that's how I feel. <laughs> I said, if you think I'm so wrong about everything, why are you even with me? And Jenny says, you can't choose who you love. Which is true, but it doesn't mean it's good. You did say in in an argument once, it's like, you can't choose who you love. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is a really special line. I think I said it a lot of times. Yeah, I think you've probably said it a lot of times because I don't... It had to be said. <laughs> a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> I remember right. you, like, telling me that you weren't... That I wasn't good for you and that your family said I wasn't good for you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but what? here's why. Because this is when we, we... We were... It was a tumultuous time and I wasn't the easiest person to be dating. This didn't make it into the show. I like so, this. It's no, juicy. Yeah, no. It's interesting. Like, before I listened to the show today, when I was thinking about Girlfriend's Boyfriend, what I was actually thinking about was sleep Sleepwalk With Me because I think of that as our most tumultuous time, which mm-hmm. is when... Our first year, Mike had a lot of a lot of the sleepwalking incidences from Sleepwalk with me actually happened in our first year of dating, yeah. and I'm quite protected in that story actually. But the truth is, is that the 
the night that Mike jumped. She's protecting the story in the sense that she was more involved in, in like, interactions than I, I kind of kept her out of the narrative. So the night before Mike jumped through the window, we were on the phone. We got into a huge fight. And then that night he jumped through the window. Uh, and then never, he called I never me. talk about that. Yeah. I so only let, and then, I'm only letting you talk then, about it because you're choosing to. And then he called. And then like, for, and then like, there was this time that things were really weird with us, and you were like traveling a lot and touring after the sleepwalking incident. Like you didn't even have time to come home to like ground yourself. You like kept traveling, and um, I felt like there was some resentment towards me that we like had this fight, and then you jumped through the window. Like I was creating this ad- additional anxiety, and then I remember you. Like, saying, like, you know, I talked to my sister, and, you know, she doesn't think that this relationship's good for me. She thinks it's creating extra stress and blah, blah, blah. Like, you definitely were trying— like, Wow, I don't remember that, but— And then we did break up for a little while, and I think it had to do with, like, this additional stress kind of thing. It's weird. Some people ask me now, they're like, like, when I meet people, they're like, oh, how did you meet your husband or whatever? And I'm like, you should just listen to this album (laughs) because, like, my memories are that whatever you say now because I've heard it so many times Mm -hmm. that I don't even barely have my own memories. And that's really the (laughs) dynamic I'm looking for in a marriage (laughs) is where I I rewrite our marriage as a show and then she remembers it as that. Well, imagine trying to tell this story without using anything from the show or without... Referring. Which, by the way, yeah. um, with the new show, I would say the new show, which is the, called The New One, it's of any of my shows, it's most similar to this show. Mm. So people like this show. I always say— It's that, like part two. It's like part two. It, it, like, if people like this show, come see The New One because this is— uh, Yeah, it's me going further down the road and trying to— I mean, I feel like we're always trying to do this. Probably the three of us are trying to do this in our work— it's like, always dig deeper. It's like always go further. How can I go further? Because we're you were you know it's weird. It's like a I feel like somewhere in my twenties I, I was guilty of being complacent and being like I'm pretty good at this. Mm. And then you reach a point where I'm 39 now. And you start to go, I'm terrible and <laughs> I'm not nearly as good as I should be. Mm. And but you actually need to stay in that zone to 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 make something better. Mm. Of course. That kind of goes back to what we're saying. That's the disruption that you're manufacturing to get back to the place where your brain is on axis. That's right. It's convincing yourself that you're not good is what you need to be good. Right. But I really am not good. (laughs) That's what makes it so natural. (laughs) All right, we're going to wrap it up there. Um, Thanks for listening. This is is the old ones with, uh, I want to thank, uh, my guests, Pete Holmes, the great Pete Holmes. Thank you. Uh, and uh, Thank you. you can see Crashing on HBO or You Made It Weird or his HBO, recent HBO comedy special. And uh, and my wife, Jennifer Stein, and she's a secret poet, so don't, don't, don't even you try. dare. Don't you dare try to f- even figure out who she is. That said, she will win a Pulitzer Prize in three years. <laughs> I'm already uh, changing my name uh, as we speak. What, are you, what if we do this as a, as a You Made It Weird? You have to say Keep It Crispy. No way. How dare you? All right, don't say keep it crispy. Thanks keep for... Keep it crispy. <laughs> oh, no. Did you not want me to say that? No, no. That was oh, great. I'm sorry. Um, you know. Oh, you're trying to steal this podcast. I asked So you're trying middle. to put it in your feed, and you're trying to get me to say keep it crispy you to steal the deal. <laughs> <laughs>
That might have been the best read of Keep It Crispy you've ever had. <laughs> you we, just did. We don't have to. Keep it crispy. All right. Uh, uh, keep it crispy. Keep it. Keep, how, have you ever had that? Keep it crispy. Keep it crispy. Keep it crispy. Three times like Candyman. <laughs> And then I appear and I'm laughing. <laughs> All right. It's thanks, thanks for listening. Keep it crispy. Um, the new show <laughs> is called The New One. I'm on tour with it. Today. I'll say some cities I bet you're going to. Seattle. Yep. DC. Portland. Yep. Austin. No, not yet. But LA. It's on its way. Yes. LA. San Francisco. Well, well, you got to come to that one. It's the weekend of your wedding. The Wilshire. Are you, you know I can't. Are you busy? <laughs> no, it's on the, the day before your wedding. What before do you the do rehearsal the day dinner. Your day before. Oh, I'm not busy. Great. The Wilshire Ebel Theater. I'll, I'll uh, if I can open, I'll try my vows. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is so weird. That would be great. It, is, it just That's goes so to show you on on what a, f- a fragile pedestal your marriage lies mm-hmm. next that, to the phone that's on the pedestal that's not plugged in <laughs> wow wow <laughs> call back of the century <laughs> herald of all time he just won um, the podcast callback yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, we're presenting you with the podcast callback award <laughs> which is also a phone on a pedestal sponsored by Labatt's um, it's a small phone on a pedestal and the callback was about a phone on a pedestal. Not plugged in. <laughs> um, this is Pete Holmes, Jennifer Stein, Mike Birbiglia. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you out there. This has been The Old Ones. If you like that, check out the other episodes forthcoming and all the tour dates at thenewone.com. I've been to 25 cities so far, and I'm adding cities every week. If you like this podcast, this is the fourth episode, You can rate it on iTunes. Uh, Five stars is if you like it. Four stars is if you hate it. In the new year, I met La Jolla Playhouse, which is near San Diego, for eight shows. It's like a really intimate theater that I love. We added a second show in Boise, Idaho. I'll be in Salt Lake City, then Santa Barbara, San Luis Obispo, Aspen, Colorado, a bunch of shows in Canada, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton. I feel like I probably said all three of those wrong in some way that Canadians are going to explain to me. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Ann Arbor. Shout out to Pizza House, where I'm staying. The Old Ones is produced by myself, along with Joe Berbiglia, Peter Salamone, and Johnny Levin. Edited by Daniel Spaventa. Associate producer, Will Lupica. Sound mix by Kate Belinsky. Music by Roger Neal. Special thanks to Seth Barish, who directed My Girlfriend's Boyfriend for the stage and screen. Jack Vaughn, Mike Berkowitz, Isaac Dunham, Paul Ruest, and SiriusXM, as well as New Wave Comedy Dynamics and Brian Volkweiss, who produced this special for Netflix, as well as Mike Lavoy and Ron Delsner, who produced the original show with me at the Barrow Street Theater. My thanks to Scott Morphy there as well. This interview was recorded by Tom Effinger and Jeff Seeley at Red Hook Post. My biggest thanks to Pete Holmes and my wife, Jennifer Stein, who I fear got along a little too well with Pete in that conversation. I'll see you next time.